Hi everyone, you are listening to LD Spotlight, a podcast about learning and development brought to you by Nifty Learning. I'm your host, Liz Stefan, and together we're here to learn about LD. Hi everybody, hi Lavinia, welcome back. Uh, Lavinia Mehedinsu is People Experience Manager at EMAG and co-founder and curator of content at Offbeat. Welcome. Hello. Today I was uh, hoping we'd talk a bit about learning cohorts and I would like us to explore today the concept, what it means to create a learning cohort, advantages, disadvantages of structuring learning activities in this format. So let's kick this off with the very basic question. What is a learning cohort? I don't know if there's a definition out there, but I'm going to just answer from my own experience. And I would say that a learning cohort first is very similar to what we were used to in our educational environment, in our years of school, because it's basically about having a group of people learning the same thing at the same pace in a time-bound program. If I remember correctly, this is what Sir Ken Robinson was uh, warning us about, right? (laughs) Yeah, actually. It's losing creativity of the learning process. Interesting. Okay, so this is basically the quote-unquote industrial learning setup, right? Yeah, yep. Well, this will make for an, an interesting debate. Is learning synchronously more effective or could it be? And I'll bias the question here a little bit. My thinking was that... If you decide to go to the gym and you have a gym buddy, you have higher chances of actually sticking to it. So basically, if there are peers that have the similar context and similar challenges with you and you need to go through the same learning activities at the same time, then you have some sort of incentive or motivation to actually go through everything. Yeah, and my question towards you right now is, can't you do that in an async program? Can't you... I wouldn't say incentivize because I feel like that's the wrong word, but maybe nudge people towards peer learning or having learning bodies in an async program where as an L&D, you don't start with the idea that everyone has the same needs and that everyone has the same pace in learning different things, you know, but you can start with the idea that you can use multiple learning methods in again in an async way to help people reach their learning goals that's a fair question so the the gym body effect isn't necessarily that strong of an incentive or a reason to consider cohorts uh, so crucial let's say i would say that the body effect or the body tool is not tied to cohort based learning it's not the only setup in which you can organize this sort of learning method. You can definitely use it in other learning structures, let's say. So you don't need someone to tell you that this is when we start learning this particular thing for you to essentially find your gym buddy. It's fine for you to just do it whenever in whatever context. Yes, yes. Okay, I guess my bias comes from the fact that when you had a teacher in the classroom, the teacher would say team up and do this particular task together, which implicitly gave you that context. But now when you learn asynchronously, I suppose you have to just figure that out by yourself and you need to actively search for your own gym buddy, right? 
Yeah, I have so many biases from the educational system as well because I've been there and it wasn't a good fit for me. And I think it's, it's not a good fit for anyone in particular. What I think is really, really important, no matter what type of learning program or learning structure you're using, is actually talk a lot about the why of the program. Why is that helpful for you? And then obviously make sure that it covers some sort of need that your learners, your audience has, and also give them the tools to, I would say, not assess yourself because it feels like a strong word. But just self-awareness, just, just to make sure that they are aware of all the things that they not know yet and that they could learn through applying or enrolling in your program. And that alone should be helpful for people to join and not actually be so tied to one person who guides the whole learning journey, but rather be in the community, you know, learn with the community in different type of settings, yeah, and not guided or forced to participate in a certain schedule together with others. I just had a thought now. I feel like cohort-based learning is a very specific means to an end, meaning if you have a specific group of people that you would want to put through a specific program, something that isn't too lengthy, let's say not six months, but maybe something shorter. And you would have these people do that particular thing together. And I guess, well, onboarding is a very basic example of cohort-based learning. But I'm thinking if you've urgently discovered a new need in your organization or you have a new project or a new customer or something like that, and you need to take that project team and put those specific people through this program in almost an accelerated pace or an intensive sort of thing, rather than just your run-of-the-mill habit formation, skill development, and so on, which is an, an ongoing long-term thing, right? Definitely. I'm going to throw a controversial idea out there. Yeah, you can do that as an organization, obviously, and as an L&D team. You, you can say, okay, we have this gap, let's enroll everyone in this program, and we're going to measure the effects afterwards and see that everything's going great. My thoughts here are that it doesn't work like that always, that you need a certain freedom as a learner to, again, have an impactful learning process. Again, yeah, as an organization, you can do that, but you can always go back to that reason why and build around it to show learners the benefits of joining any type of program, no matter what, you know, even the onboarding process. It's not mandatory. You definitely want to guide people in a certain way, and you can definitely have different learning initiatives, but you can let them choose however they want to get acquainted with the company. You just have to make sure that you have different resources for them, employee guidebooks, you have a welcome breakfast, I don't know, you have different chats with different colleagues, older, in tenure, older colleagues. And yeah, they can choose whatever they would like to participate in. So it's not mandatory. I wouldn't say that cohort-based learning is the equivalent of an effective learning process. 
I wouldn't say it's not. My feeling is that you should give learners freedom no matter the needs you have as an organization. And you should give them the tools to make sure they somehow learn. I'll admit this is challenging a bit. My at least understanding, let's say, of the most basic example, which is onboarding programs. So I'll tell you the thing that's bothering me a little bit. How do I make sure that I've told the new hire everything, everything being all I would like them to know and understand about the company? How do I make sure I've conveyed all that knowledge so that when the person is out of the onboarding process, which by the way, does that have a time duration or not, so that they fully integrate in the work context, meaning they haven't skipped any of the values, let's say, or any of the very important procedures, or shouldn't it be a little bit more structured? Shouldn't it be very much cohort-based? What am I missing here? I think you should talk about all those things you, you mentioned in different ways. I think that people managers are the bodies, let's say, or could be the bodies of new hires, or they could appoint any other bodies. There are some new hires that might not participate in some strict schedule, but they do have some pretty great managers and some pretty great bodies that guide them towards the end of the journey. And that might work for them because that's how they like to learn. They are more social. But there are some people out there that would rather be left alone and you have to have some things prepared for them as well. Again, it's up to the freedom of the learner. As an LND, I really think that's really, really important. And as LNDs, we should start with the assumption that people will want to learn if first they understand the reason why, they understand that they have some gaps, knowledge, skill gaps, behavior gaps, and if they do have resources to tackle in their learning journey. That's actually the definition of self-directed learning. I'm not saying that you don't need a guide, but that guide might be your colleague, that guide might be your manager, someone from the L&D team, someone from another team altogether. But yeah, having the freedom, having the why, having the resources might be more helpful, in my opinion. If I'm understanding you correctly, you really need a very good reason to put in place a cohort-based program, something very specific. Yeah, yeah, probably. So that means that cohort-based learning, having a very specific narrow goal in mind, isn't necessarily the best way to go for organizations or for large-scale learning. So a company should make available various types of content at various points in time for their employees and not rely just on cohort-based learning to make progress, right? To enable growth. Okay. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, I understand the whole context and I understand the motivation and the mechanics of it a bit better now. Is it more complex or is it more difficult for an organization to put in place cohorts? Is it easier to do cohort-based or is it easier to just give general learning resources and let people sort of self-organize? I think each structure has its challenges. And I just want to add something to what you said earlier, having this strong reason. And in my opinion, the strongest reason might be something about compliance, let's say. 
you are legally bound to train everyone in some sort of way to follow some rules. Even that can be done more fun, in my opinion. But yeah, that might be a really strong reason to do something cohort-based. But going back to your question right now, as I was mentioning, I think there are different challenges. In my opinion, async might be a bit more challenging, but at the same time, a bit more effective. But why do I say this is because you are constantly receiving new learners. In a cohort-based program, you just have a group and they go through some sort of learning process. But when it comes to async, again, you can have async, which is group-based. But the most effective one, in my opinion, is this async program where people can join along the way. And you have to make sure that you onboard people along the way. And it's definitely more complex and it takes more time, more energy from yourself as an L&D. But there are solutions to that as well. Again, going back to this idea that you can form communities around different type of topics. You can empower the community to receive new joiners or to self-organize in some sort of way. You actually skipped ahead speaking about effectiveness. So thank you for that. Okay, that's very interesting. I guess another fundamental difference between cohorts and async learning is that not everybody is at the same level in a particular skill or competency. Therefore, forcing people to learn the same thing at the same time might render some of them bored, some of them less engaged. Whereas if you give people this freedom of selection of learning activities, then everybody can just fill the specific gap areas rather than just even risk wasting some time learning some stuff that they already are quite proficient in. Yeah, definitely. It's more personalized. That's what I would add to what you just said. It's a more personalized journey. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. In this context where async might actually be more effective, I guess the traceability or the tracking of learning based on cohorts is a bit simpler in a way. So basically makes life easier for LNDs, but also doesn't give you the best possible result because assuming that everybody marks attendance or checks the box that they've gone through all the steps in that particular cohort-based program, that doesn't necessarily mean that they have or have not made progress in each specific skill area, right? So attendance is easy to, to track, but actual behavior change and skill improvement is harder. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Attendance is easier to measure when you talk about cohort-based learning. Your data analytics structure should just be flexible for whatever async programs you're doing. So it's a bit more complex and harder to put in place for async learning, but it produces more accurate and just better results overall, right? Yes, in my opinion, yes. Awesome. Well, thank you for this conversation, this debate, actually. I must admit, I came in with a couple of assumptions that I had, and I'm happy that I know something new about cohort-based learning now. I I guess I'm a, a bigger fan of async learning at this point, having learned these things now. Thank you, Lavinia, as always, for your input. It's such a pleasure. Yeah, thank you for having me. And as always, I'm putting here my own opinions, so everyone should take it with a grain of salt. I'm glad, actually, that you're you're more of an async fan right now, but probably everyone is still experimenting and researching to know which way to go best. 
And yeah, the most important thing, honestly, is that we as an L&D industry learn together about this stuff and share this stuff to build upon each other's knowledge and be more effective in the end. Thank you so much for being with us today. This has been another episode of L&D Spotlight. If you'd like to get in touch and join the conversation, write to me at liz at niftylearning.io or connect with me on LinkedIn at Liz Stefan. Have a productive week, everyone.